Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connections, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. I have Keith Trimmels today with me. He's a direct response marketing strategy who optimizes sales funnels for six and seven figure businesses seeking to hit the next level. Over the last 25 years, he's created and built successful engineering, training, publishing, investing, and marketing companies. He currently splits his time between the Rocky Mountains and a liveaboard sailboat in the Sea of Cortez. Hello, Keith. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Leticia. How about you? Uh, well, disappointed a little bit because when, before we started this, I said, okay, let's do some video to see your boat and you're not on their <laughs> boat right now. So, but I will get no. that video from the boat. Definitely in time for the holidays, but not right now. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, uh, you are in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Just north of, uh, just north of Denver on the east side of the Rockies right now. Well, that definitely doesn't sound too shabby. <laughs> I've never been there. It sounds beautiful. Thank you, Keith, for, for being part of this. And uh, to our audience out there, if you follow the podcast and my own journey, uh, you probably heard uh, Kristen Stelzer's interview. And there she gave a shout out to Keith about, you know, what he had meant to have his mentorship and, and his advice and wisdom into her life. And so I reached out to Keith and he said yes to come to Back to Basics. So that's awesome. Yeah, that, that really blew me away. I, I told her it kind of made my day because I, I don't think in those terms. And uh, yet I, I think each one of us, we go through life and we just do our thing and we create ripples without even knowing the ripples we're creating. So that was cool. I, I love that. And and it's funny because then you gave a shout out also to people that had done the same for you. And it kind of started a nice little thing on LinkedIn. And, and I thought about that. I thought it would be a better world if we all did that, you know, uh, at the same time. Imagine how many ripples we will cause. Oh, it, it happens all the time. And, and Ilsa, the individual I mentioned, is an extraordinarily good friend of mine and a business partner in my training company. And I tell her all the time. She's passed on wisdom to me that her mom shared with her, and she grew up in East Germany, and her uh -huh. mom helped helped her and her daughter, uh, or her and her sister, escape. Her brother was actually over in West Germany, and so those lessons of that strong woman kind of filtered through me, and her mom never knew me, and I, I think that's what ends up happening, and that's why I call them ripples. Wow, that's uh, that's great. Yeah, I wonder that all that generation, like also my dad, uh, as I share in the podcast, is Italian, and he he saw when the Americans arrived in Sicily. You know, he was eight, mm -hmm. and and he has so many good stories. And then I wonder, and they didn't get to share it like the way we are sharing now, and we have social media, and yet a lot of the stuff our generations are sharing are not <laughs> as profound or deep than okay. than all the stuff they could have shared. Oh, totally, totally. And and, and that's kind of why I, I, <clears throat> I had that conversation with Ilsa. We've had it a, a couple of times because her mom, so they grew up 
right across a, a lake. They'd call it a lake. I'd call it a pond. Not not very large, but um, but from the uh, largest concentration camp for women and children um, during. And they and she grew up in 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 World War II and post World War II uh, East Germany. And her mom, <clears throat> when the Russians liberated that that um, concentration camp, her mom and the ladies of the village that they lived in were nursing all the kids and the and the women back to health uh, as best they could. And she caught typhoid. And, oh. and so I told, I told Ilsa, I, I hammered her for probably about 10 years. I said, you've got to share these stories because they'll be lost to history. Mm-hmm. And so, um, after <laughs> beating her about the head for several years, she finally, <laughs> she finally acquiesced and, uh, she worked with a, a gentleman and it, the, the vibe just wasn't working with her. Um, and so she asked me to do it and I ended up ghostwriting this was before i was doing copywriting and uh and her book now is in the in the museum there at that concentration camp uh oh wow so and 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 so those lessons and it was a book about childhood of her and her brother and her sister and their cousins that that they'll live on somehow you know in their own little way but um and that's cool you know those ripples are awesome I I love it, and uh, can you can you buy the book or is something that that they did that you did for like that special initiative? Yeah, no, it's it's on Amazon. It's called Five Lives. Um, okay, we will we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I and definitely. I'll shoot, I'll shoot you a link. Okay, absolutely. Well, so now on to you, Mr. Trimbles. You have a pretty, pretty exciting journey, uh, you know, that uh, I've been reading a little bit. And, and I know that that uh, you're. I can already feel you're the kind of person I can have five episodes with. Which, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, tell me about your childhood, how you started shaping your life, what you were interested in as a, as a young person, and then how you kind of follow your signs to, to where you are now. Um, well, as I tell everybody now, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Um, but <laughs> that's never a bad thing. Yeah, no, I, you know, it creates a lot of new adventures and, and, you know, we're the sum of, of our experiences and, and all of that. And, and I, I, I grew up, I was born and raised in, in San Diego and Southern California and, and then spent a little bit of time in, uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma and, and then, uh, moved to, uh, Arizona to Phoenix, Arizona <clears throat> back in the mid seventies and, um, moved around a lot. And it was just the nature of my dad, uh, with a college, he was in college and then, uh, a college, his post-college first few jobs and moving around the normal thing that wasn't so normal then, but is now. So we moved quite a bit and I saw a lot of different country. I, I think before I was 10, I'd been from the east coast to the west coast and southeast and and all over and and so it kind of gave me a feel for even though i didn't uh go out of the country it gave me a feel for different cultures because in the u.s there's obviously you know the culture in the southeast is very different from the northeast and very different from the, the west coast and the midwest so um and <clears throat> i uh Boy, you know, I, I I think I had a paper out at eight or nine years old and was kind of hustling, and and uh, we had to to sell uh, subscriptions to the newspaper back in the day, and I kind of ended up being the guy managing the whole neighborhood um, and the different paper boys, and I was before I was ten, and wow, um, it never, <clears throat> it, it kind of never really slowed down, um, just multiple 
lawn care businesses, car washing businesses, and then actual real consulting firms and things like that through the years. And uh, at, at when I, uh, when Ilsa and I started the training company, uh, this best kind of summarizes my my childhood. When we started the training company, um, we both thought we would have have it off the ground in six months, and uh, and it took longer. Normally, um, a new business takes about eighteen months to get going. I thought. I was a, a lot more optimistic <laughs> than that, and it turned out that 18 months was about right. But at about the 16-month mark, I was having a conversation with my mom, and I was in the middle of just massive inflection point in my life. And and uh, I, I was telling her, and, and my mom doesn't – she doesn't understand how I'm wired. She, she never has. Um, <laughs> but she uh, she said uh, – you know, I said, I don't know if this is going to take off. I, I said, I, you know, I've been beating my head against the wall for over a year, and, and we don't have any traction. And she says, it's going to totally do well. And I said, how do you know that? And she says, I don't understand what makes you tick. I've never understood. But this is what you've been doing your entire life since you were before eight years old. And she said, so there's no question it'll work. And like two, three months later, it, it literally exploded. And we quickly had a backlog of work that was more than Ilsa and I could handle. And, and then it went from there. So. Wow. So, so uh, she did understand how you're wired in her own way. <laughs> yeah, she, she, yeah, she, she saw the pattern and she accepted it, even though it didn't make any sense to her, you know, so that yeah. it's, that it's, uh, that is powerful. And, uh, I mean, thanks for that. You even use the word I always use is what makes you tick. And, and, and you have said it, uh, in your case, it's kind of, wow, it's been there since you were young. And that uh, you've been able to to translate it and take it into your adult life, and and that's why most likely you 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 are living the life you want. And and I understand when you say, well, I want what do I want to be when I grow up? Because sometimes <laughs> I also reach certain goals or certain milestones, and then you say, okay, now what's next? And and you try to reinvent again what you like and what makes you tick. So yeah. I, I imagine that you know you live you you get to live the dream. And you're on a sailboat and you're working. And obviously, I want to uh, hear more about that. And then it must be also at some point a little scary. It's like, wow, this is what everybody wants to do. And I'm already doing that. So. Uh, it, it's it's overwhelming sometimes when I think about it. And, and, and you, you touched on a point that I think is one of the things I see as a common thread with people that have a zest for life, if you will. Um, and I try to bring it out in everybody that... I mentor or talk to because I think it's uh, it's there. It's just a question of whether it's latent or whether it's active. And that is that they're they're constantly propelling themselves forward. And what you you mentioned that you you, you hit a milestone and then what's next. Um, and 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 I always say that if you you know if you hit a milestone and you stop and you you've done what you wanted to accomplish, then why are you still breathing? There has to be mm -hmm. something, you know, that, that, that keeps you going and you reset. And it, it may be, hey, you know, I want to build the next bridge or <clears throat> I want to be president of the United States or I want to teach, you know, I mean, if I'm 60 years old or 70 years old and I don't have the desire energy to create some massive new company, um, maybe what I want to do is I want to share that knowledge that I've gained over the last 60, 70 years with some 15 and 20 year olds so that they can then choose their dreams and pursue them and achieve them 
because that ripple then will create ripples for their kids, their grandkids, their friends and all of that. And so always having something to shoot forward to is important. And to tie it back to the sailboat, you kind of you mentioned it and it, and it was funny. Um, I have a, <clears throat> a very good friend, a business partner in, in an investment company. And I've known him, I, I was married and in my 20s when I met him and he was 14 at the time and um, kind of became a, a, a mentor figure, if you will, or an older brother sort of a figure. Um, and when I told him about the sailboat, this was a few years back when I bought it, he told his mom and his mom had known me, obviously. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, her response was, oh my God, are you serious? And he said, well, yeah. And she says, he, she said, he's been saying this for 25 years. And, and it, you know, it took that long to do it. I, I, I was saying it before she had known me. And uh, when she said that, it caused me to think, okay, now that you have achieved this goal that was there from the time you were a teenager, now what? What's next? And it, it, it actually caused me to go into a period of a year or two of, I don't, it wasn't necessarily a struggle, but you've achieved this huge lifelong dream that you've had for 25 years. Now, what's next? I mean, what do you do as an encore, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, my, I have a theory that I, I have. I know people that have been talking about doing something for a long time. And to me, it's like I see it and I'm like, dude, you can do that like tomorrow. <laughs> like it's, it doesn't seem that hard that you have this dream. And for whatever reason, they don't make it happen. And so my theory is, I think they're afraid that if they make it happen, then, and it's not what they expected, or they're not happy in it, or there's doesn't go the way they anticipated, then that, you know, that's, what do I do next? You know, they like to live with that idea that I have this dream. <laughs> it's it's always something to look forward to. And, and you're, you're so right. And, and there, there's the other side of it that, and I actually deal, I've dealt with this throughout my life is, when you know that it'll work, then what? Uh, there's a, there's a, there, you know it'll be successful, and then what? What happens? I mean, there's a fear of success, and um, I think that's that's totally normal. Um, and those are two kind of two sides of the same coin. And then there's a third one, and I actually <laughs> I was reminded of this yesterday talking to a woman who reached out to me on LinkedIn, and I, I looked at her 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 background on LinkedIn, and it just totally blew me away. She's uh, trying to be, you know, she's got a vision of being a copywriter and, um, she's got a background that's just amazing. And, um, you know, an executive level background in a tech company, in a very large tech company and all this writing background. And I I just was kind of blown away by her background. And I reached out to her and she said, you're like doing these amazing things. And I saw you on this, uh, you know, at this conference, speaking at this conference and, uh, you, you made me believe that I could do this. And I'm sitting here going, I I didn't make anybody do anything. Number one, and she has way Mm -hmm. more, way more skills than I do. And as we were chatting yesterday on a, on a Skype call, um, I, I just started pointing out, you know, she was just, we were just chit chatting and I, I could quickly see this, this, this pattern emerging. And I just pointed out all this stuff. And she said, Oh my God, I didn't even see it. And I go, that is normal. We don't see what we have and those capabilities. I mean, we're, we're in the forest and all we do is we just see the tree in front of us. And all it takes is somebody sitting in a drone or whatever up above the forest Mm -hmm. and they can see everything. And they just, all they have to do is just point it out to us. And, you know, nine times out of 10, you can sit there and say, oh, wow. Okay. And they can show you the path and then you can do it. 
you know, so. Absolutely. And, 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 and that is part of why I started this podcast, to be honest with you, is because I usually tend to, when we are with friends and conversations, and I like to try, I always say I like to prove that the impossible is possible. So, and, and I've shared before that when I met my husband, I met him in, on Match.com 14 years ago, when, when Match.com wasn't even like nothing. Online dating was very early and people <laughs> were saying, she is crazy. You're going to get killed. You're going to get, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and I honestly, I didn't really believe I would meet someone there, but I said, you know, I'm ready to date again. I'm, and, and, and you have to send a message to the universe that you're ready. And, right. and, and this is just an exercise to prove that, that I'm ready. I'm going to go out, have a coffee. Uh, and and really, that's what you know. It was great conversations. It was hard to find someone you click with, but then what the impossible happened, and I did meet someone I click with, and now I have two kids with a guy I met online, as I like to say. Oh, um, that's, that that is such an excellent illustration, and I love that statement about proving the impossible possible. Because um, you know, it's funny. I, I I did a post on on LinkedIn about that here uh, with a quote probably about three weeks ago and and it resonated really strongly and i've i found myself attracted to people like that through my entire life both personally and professionally um people that that you know i mean to use the the elon musk illust, uh, illustration or even um you know richard branson with his virgin uh space you can't do that really Oh, says who? Now, now I'm going to do it just to prove to you that I can. Exactly. And, you know, and, and, and then amazing things happen. So, yeah, I think that's excellent. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I read to my daughter and she loves to this. Uh, she's five, but I, we bought her the Amelia Earhart book. Mm -hmm. It's like little cartoon. It's, it's a very cute book. And but at the end, it said something that she said that I had never heard. It's like, don't distract someone that's trying to do what you said was impossible. I, I, I love it. And if and if you uh, for five years old, it's probably a little young, um, but there's a uh, it's an excellent documentary about this um, woman who was kind of a competitor to Amelia Earhart. And she ended uh -huh. up she ended up owning a bar out at uh, Edwards Air Force Base where they broke the sound barrier. She's a very colorful character. Her name is Poncho. The, she she took the name Poncho because she actually disappeared down to Mexico. And this is in the the thirties and ended up on a pirate ship. I mean, she's a woman It's just, she was doing all these things that women don't, didn't do then for sure. And most women don't even do now. And, uh, um, amazing. And, and, uh, it's available on Amazon. Okay. I'd, I will yeah. definitely look at maybe with my son. Yeah. I'll see it first, but yeah, I love to give my daughter. I mean, this was a coincidence, but obviously to get set examples about strong women and all that, but I was saying, wow, she was really advanced for her time, you know, and when, when you see what she did. And so that's kind of the same thing. And, and, uh, I know that this conversation, someone is listening out there and, um, if you're going to be motivating them to do whatever they are thinking that they cannot achieve. So oh, it, this woman was amazing because she created ripples with, um, with Chuck Yeager and Bob Hoover. I mean, these test pilots, Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier. And, um, I, I mean, the, you know, it's, it's just amazing what she did. She set uh, like speed records and stuff like this back in the twenties for women. She was beating men. It was great. And she, I, 
she was one of those people who really took pleasure in somebody saying, you can't do that because you're a woman or, you know, this is impossible. And she's like, okay, watch this. Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit like that, too. I'm like, I try to, I like to prove people wrong. And, uh, and there's only one way to finding out. For me, it's more about there's only one way to find out if this doesn't work. And it's just by doing it. If you sentence whatever it is that you're going to do before you even start, then there's no value in that. Oh, abso- absolutely. And I tell Elsa all the time, I mean, this is, so we have some pretty deep conversations and, and I, I've always said <clears throat> she's done some things and she, she takes uh, the same, she has the same attitude and is it, it only takes one person to show that it's possible to prove whatever the rule is or theory that everybody says you can't do this just to prove them wrong. And it could be as simple as, you know, you see it with athletes all the time. Hey, you're never, you know, you're never going to be able to play football again. Or a guy who is, uh, you, you know, suffered an accident and had some some traumatic uh, spinal injury and can't walk, and you can't walk again because this isn't physically possible. It just takes one person to do that to show all those doctors don't say you can't because you never know. Absolutely, no. That's uh, that's powerful. And so, with that, I all, always find powerful uh, statements when in our down times, right? So I always tend to ask, and you said uh, that you had a massive inflection point in your life, and then just two months later, things happened. Right. Could you share anything at that point where you say that, you know everything is going in a way that it's not? you know, um, validating the way you expected besides your mom saying, hang on, because this is going to happen. Was there anything else, uh, like an inner conviction or anything else that kind of kept you true to what were you trying to do in, in the downtime? Yeah. So, well, um, you know, my business partner else was German and I kind of had this German stubborn, um, personality part of how I was raised and, and where I came from. But, um, it's it's really just putting one foot in front of the other. Um, I, I, there were times during that period where I literally was looking up at God and saying, I don't even understand this. You got you have got to show me the path forward and give me a sign. You know, I I, I uh, oftentimes this, this might sound somewhat sacrilegious, but I would sit there and in my head, the conversation was like uh, um Dr. Evil on, uh, uh, you know, it's a throw me a bone, you know, give me some, <laughs> yeah. just give me something here to, to at least oh. know that I'm, I'm not going the wrong direction. And, um, yeah. it, it was, it, it was huge. I mean, I was, I was in the middle of complete life changes. I had torn my biceps. So I couldn't go work out. So I couldn't channel my energy that way. And I just started the company, the training company. So the cash flow was completely different than what I had been used to before that. And, and uh, I, I remember, actually, I remember one conversation with Ilsa where she said, you're going to do amazing things. You just got to keep walking every day to get to that other side. And um, and she and I would talk extensively. And I was doing quite a bit of work at that time in Hawaii. So I was jumping on flights um, when uh, my girls were with their with their mother, the weeks that they were with their mother. And then uh, I would come back and be dad and nobody even knew I had left town. And, um, so you just, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other that, you know, and, and eventually it's only through, through looking backwards that we see, you know, all the steps and all the, you know, the stones that were there, it's really hard to see looking forward. So. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. For me, that's where I struggle the most too, because I, you know, I've been doing the same thing for a long time. I work for the family business Mm -hmm. and sometimes you look around and of course I had a corporate career and maybe in corporate, you know, like you, you go, you get promotions, you get recognition. When you work for the family business, you, you show up every day, you, you have your good days and bad days, but it's very different. Like the, fulfillment that you get. It's kind of, a, I call it, it's a different calling. Uh, but sometimes, you know, you get a little bit like, wow, I miss those those things that I had in, in corporate life. Uh, and you don't feel that you're making progress. But then also for me, I, I, I once opened, I, from here and there, when I'm down, I, I opened the Bible, just whatever it, it, it leads me. And it was something about uh, not not because you don't see the tree growing every day doesn't mean that the roots are not growing. Uh, oh, absolutely. And it I I boy, I couldn't agree with you more. I gave this piece of advice. I've I've given it out a couple of times because it's I'm a transportation engineer by training even though I'm a business person by uh, actually the way I'm wired, but um so I think in terms of of transportation a lot and 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 I find that if I can wrap a concept around that, it's oftentimes very much easier for somebody to understand it because we all deal with transportation, whether it's cars, trains, planes, or whatever. And um, I, I shared this with a uh, with a um, a guy that I was in a coaching program with here uh, not too long ago, and I've shared it with um, others that I've I've advised on their business um, that that you're driving a car, your life is like a, a road trip. And you've got to look out the windshield so you don't crash into a tree or, you know, hit anything. But every once in a while, you need to look in the rearview mirror and look back to see that you've actually made a ton of progress. And, and you know, on a 3,000-mile drive, you know, after the first few hundred miles and, you know, you're into whatever if you're driving straight, you often lose perspective on how much progress you've made and that you're continuing to make. And only by looking through in the rearview mirror can you see it. Now, you can't stare and dwell on it. So don't dwell on the past where you were. You got to snap back around or you're going to crash again. But if you don't take the time to reflect occasionally in that rearview mirror, you lose sight of the fact that you've actually made great leaps no matter what you've done in your life. Yeah, that's uh, that's very true too. It's uh, for anybody f- familiar with Florida. It's like when you get into Alligator Alley, going to Orlando or <laughs> one of those things, and you think this right. never is gonna end. And doesn't anything looks the same? There's no even scenic uh, aspect of it. So now it's uh, as you were saying that I can envision being there and saying this is boring. There's nothing happening, and then you get to Orlando to Disney. Right. Uh, which is one of the most exciting places uh, for kids anyway. For me, too, I'm a fan. But so, yeah, so that's, I think, where we struggle a lot and people struggle a lot is, is to, to, as you say, to realize that we're making progress and it's one step at a time and it's one day at a time and well, we get impatient. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, we're in an instant gratification society. And, uh, you know, I, the, the conversation you had with Kristen where you talked about, um, you know, seeing the stars and. Um, and Kristen was talking about, you know, falling into the hole on the boat. Um, we often don't take we're, we're so wrapped up in, the, you know, go, 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 that we don't take time to, to feed our spirit with with that reflection and that quiet time. Um, I 
I, uh, I remember, uh, actually, I remember a homily from a, from a, a priest here. He's an incredible, actually, he's amazing, um, boy, an amazing historian and, and philosopher. But he talked about growing up, how his, his uh, parents made them have an hour of quiet time. Um, I don't know if it was every day or every week. I can't remember now, but he hated it. I mean, he was, you know, nine years old and all he wanted to do, they didn't have video games back then, but play board games with his brothers and do all that. And, um, when he was talking about this in his late thirties, early forties, he was reflecting and he said, that was one of the biggest gifts that his parents gave him because it caused him to think, you know, think about what his purpose was, what he wanted to do with his life, what he enjoyed. And, and so now he does it. I mean, obviously he, you know, I mean, he's a priest, so he reflects quite a bit, but, um, and, and it resonated with me because it was something I tried to do with myself just to slow my bouncing brain down. And it was something I tried to instill in, in, in my girls that, you know, you don't need to do it all the time, but you do have to take time to completely disconnect just to let your brain settle and kind of hear those voices inside that will give you clues about the direction you need to go and how to get there. Yeah, and we don't take enough time to do that. You're completely right. And and our kids, uh, how old are your daughters? So my oldest daughter's 22 and my uh, my other daughter is 20. Oh, wow. You definitely uh, are over the... <laughs> the stage oh, yeah. i mean with it. i have a well, nine and a five so yeah that's well this is you know having two kids that are on their own and doing their thing makes it a lot easier to bounce back and forth between the mountains and the sailboats so i believe it i believe it <laughs> i believe it in fact that's where i was gonna go is there is there anything in terms of the challenges of owning your business and being you sound like you're a committed dad with that whole balancing of the family and the and the, and and having your own business yeah, well, um, there's there's obviously, you know, a lot of tactical strategy, you know, challenges with a business, especially if you, you know, run the way I do all over the country. Um, I <clears throat> I had told uh, um, I, I told folks when I started the training company and I had my girls and I was going through this this huge transition my standard statement to friends of mine was I have three priorities in life. I have my kids and then my business, because it paid for my kids in the house obviously, mm -hmm. that we were living in. And then my relationship with Ilsa, my business partner, because it made the business work, which supported the kids mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. nothing else. Nothing else was on the list. And um, and now that's changed, obviously. But it, it, it's it's uh, I think it's important. I, I actually I drafted an article. It got posted um, in a in a copywriting thing, and and it's uh, it's what's your why, and, and I think that may have been one of the things Kristen was mentioning. But I did it more because I'm trying to frame, uh, you know, the the kind of clients that that I work with, and and you know, explain to them. But uh, one of the things that I find when I talk to individuals that I mentor is when you know that why. Um, it makes it really easy, much easier to make those decisions and, you know, not mind to judge whether that decision is, hey, I want to be rich and to hell with the family or whether the priorities are family and I don't care if we're living in a cardboard box. But um, each individual has to make that understanding of what's important. And um, from that, they'll at least have alignment within themselves. And once they have alignment, things will, will work out okay. Um, you know, people may disagree with the way you're doing it, but, um, I find it, it's much more, much more effective and they'll be much more successful and, and certainly a lot happier. 
Nice. Well, you know, I, I don't even know if I mentioned this, but two years ago, I started, you know, a journey on personal branding. I don't know why, but the bug bid me on personal branding and I bought personal branding for dummies, <laughs> the, the, literally the yellow book. Uh-huh. And and it was Christmas time and I went on the cruise. I always take a, a two weeks off on Christmas and that was my reading and it was such a great exercise. And my husband was looking at me like she, she's gone nuts, like, <laughs> because I'm writing down like stuff like that. Like, what's your why? What are you good at? And I'm, I wasn't looking to change career or anything, but to refocus. And that's a whole exercise about personal branding and yes, how to use the social media more and, but who you are, what, what's the message you want to put about out? It forced me to really understand what, what, what am I working for? What do I want to achieve? And, and one of the suggestions was to make a vision board, which I had never done. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you that vision board has helped a lot. And now I have it in front of my uh, home office and, and, I even had a microphone. I don't know why. But I guess I like talking. And then obviously <laughs> a year later, I have a podcast. So, uh, so so, let me ask you a question because I think this is something I've I've seen a pattern. You have that vision board. How many of those things start, quote unquote, magically occurring? A lot of them. And, mm-hmm. and then the, yeah, like this uh, stuff, like, uh, you know, I guess I've been working on them before. It's not like they just showed up. But now because it's, I refocus on them and I say, okay, these are more working. I'm making this happen. These are not doing anything about work. What, what am I going to do about this one? And so it's just prompting me to to take action, I guess. But yeah, some of them have shown up just falling on my lap. Well, and, and that's how it appears. I see. I have a theory. I think what happens is that that you know when you spend that time reflecting, and you kind of hear it depends on your theologic construct, but you know you hear the Holy Spirit or you hear whatever inside you, and you have these ideas. And once you you express them, whether it's on a vision board verbally or you know however that is, I've and I've done this with writing stuff down the subconscious brain actually starts processing that. And, and when you've taken the time to do, to figure out your why and what drives you um, and, and, and your why, you, you know, your why when you're in your twenties will be different than when you're in your forties for sure. And it's totally different than when you were in your teens. But uh, so it changes throughout your life, which is why you have to continually reflect. But when you do that and you know your why and your subconscious starts working on it, there's amazing alignment. And once there's alignment, you're now actually not repelling those opportunities. You're kind of drawing them and your eyes open and you see them and they're kind of right in front of you. And as you say, it's like it just fell on your lap and you go, wow. And this, but, but it's all that, that, that work, if you will, it's, it's, it's hard head work, but that you did before that allowed that thing to fall in your lap. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Absolutely. To me, it makes total sense. And I, and I love this conversation, by the way. And uh, I think one of the points that you hit on and you call it the, 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 the spirit falls on you or the sign, you know, some people mm-hmm. call it different ways. But I really think that's important that, you know, anybody listening out there, there are things in your life that they keep coming to you. You keep thinking about it, And that's really almost like that sign, that spirit telling you, hey, Wake up, do do something about this. And we tend to ignore that because we are not, we don't have the antenna up. Yeah. And it, well, we don't take the time we, we, to go back to, to what Father Schumacher was saying. We don't take the time to just to shut off all the distractions to hear it. 
And, and so it gets drowned out by the noise of traffic, by the noise of social media, by the noise of the television, radio, blah, blah, blah. I used to, when I, uh, in, in two, two or three lives ago, when I w was working for the, for uh, the government and I was an engineer, I had a, a 30, 35 minute commute, um, from outside of Cheyenne into town. And, uh, I would be driving in at five in the morning and there's nobody on the road at that time. And I would just have the radio off and I, it was my thinking time and I would do it on the way home too. But, um, however you do it, <clears throat> I think it's really important. And, and that purpose, you know, everybody has a purpose they were put here for. And, and that purpose is, is in, in the way I think about it, it's that unique mix that you bring to the table of the gifts God gave you, of the experiences that you've had, of your personality traits and what interests you. And, and there's a lot of overlap between people on the planet, but every individual has a unique mixture. And even twins have a unique mixture because they've seen the experiences just from different angles. And so their interpretations might be really, really similar, but they'll be slightly different. And, um, but, but taking the twins out of it, I mean, I know people who have had similar upbringings to me and, and we look at things totally different. And I know people like Ilsa who has, uh, had totally different experiences than I've had. And yet we think kind of very similarly, you know, we came to the same place and we each, you know, everybody has their unique thing. And if you can take the time to, to, to quiet things and, and shut some stuff off and, and identify that, boy, it becomes a lot easier to figure out your purpose. And when you do that, life becomes really fun and work becomes not like work because you're doing the things that you were put on the planet to do. That's great because that, takes me perfectly. I mean, how perfect is this to, to do what you're doing, which is you're living between the Rocky Mountains and a sailboat in the Sea of Cortez in Mexico, and you're doing what you love doing. Oh, yeah. I, I, what I love doing is actually helping people grow their businesses. And um, I have a client and we're growing their entire online uh, side of their business. He's, they've got a commercial business. And I literally met him on the dock in another sailboat in Mexico. I met him in wow. a marina in Mexico and um, they become friends, very good friends. Um, and this was a year and a half ago. And talking about uh, what we mentioned earlier, you know, about, you know, always having that challenge. <clears throat> um, Jerry and, and Donna, they're, they're a wonderful couple. They, um, Jerry's had a he's had a construction company before and he's had a restaurant for 36 years and he's at a, a point in his life where most people I know would be looking for the rocking chair and he's literally going all in and on on this business they've had the business going for for some time but you know he's dedicated to growing it and I, I just I love that you know he's he's as he said he kind of went down there and he took some time he's on the boat no distractions of day-to-day -day life and uh and and he um rediscovered his passion of what he wanted to do and he's been so energized about it since you know earlier this spring and it's it's infectious i love it so that is great and that and i think I understand a lot of people think i i need to pay bills i need to have a five to f a nine to five job but 
I really think that there's a lot of options out there. If someone is like, you know, um, has the spirit that I don't want to be in an office, I want to do other things. I think there's a lot of options that people don't explore just because they sell themselves on that idea that I need to have a real job and I need to have a nine to five job. Would you agree? Couldn't agree more. And one of my frustrations with the with our education system in this country is that we don't do that. I I took a an owning uh, an entrepreneurial class in high school, and it was taught by a teacher who um, I guarantee you wasn't teaching much longer than that. He had had a business doing a photo, you know taking photographs of tourists in in Hawaii when they got off the plane, and he had done all these kind of things and. It was a senior level class that I took as a sophomore because I knew that's what I needed to do. And it was uh, amazing. But we don't teach that to kids now. I mean, we don't show kids that there are all these options, which kind of blows my mind because these options are much easier to access. I when I moved to Wyoming, I remember having a conversation with an engineer in the office that I worked in. And uh, I had been I'd been up here two years. I think at the time I was in my late 20s, I might have been 29 or so. And he said, So uh, where do you see yourself in 10 years? This is back in the the, the mid 90s or so. And and, uh, he says, Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I said, working for whoever I want, from wherever I want, whenever I want. And he was he was in his 60s at the time and a couple of years away from retirement. And he had his he had a very difficult time wrapping his brain around it. And I said, hey, I had just moved from Arizona. And in Arizona, I had a computer in my my home office that I was connected to my office computer. And I was able to manage my office my my maintenance team and my my secretarial staff and my my um my survey team all while I was out at the office or out of the office running a construction project and I would come back at the time I had a cell phone in the truck a big one a big bag phone and I would come home and do manage all the office stuff from my house which was half hour 45 minutes from the office and this is in the early 90s and I remember telling this engineer when I moved to Wyoming, I said, if that's possible in 1993 and 94, what's going to be possible in the 2000s? I mean, I couldn't mm-hmm. even imagine it. Wireless didn't exist. None of that existed. My my connection to the office was a 14 4K you know, phone line. And um, but it was possible. And I just, you know, I, I saw that and said, wow, imagine the possibilities, if you will. And and now look what we have available. And so many people still don't even take the time, as you said, to to say, hey, what if, you know, what could I do this? And, you know, hey, I don't need to give up my nine to five job instead of watching television from, you know, seven till 11 at night. How about if I do a little bit of work on some side thing that I want to do that lights me up from seven to eight thirty, and then chill with my family or whatever from eight thirty to eleven. So, absolutely. You know, we ha- I have we have one TV in our entire house, and we are we have two little ones, and uh, <laughs> so that's and I like it. Then, like, I never look watch a lot of TV anyway. But you know, as you get older and you have a stressful day, yeah, there's sometimes it's nice to watch something. But I think. A lot of people say, how do you get so much time to do stuff? And and that's one of my answers. Like, I don't watch TV. I don't watch, we don't watch a lot of TV in my home. 
and uh, and I think that definitely helps. And so when you are just because I know you're a busy guy, and I I don't want to drag you for too long, but I am curious when you are let, let's say on your sailboat, uh-huh. what is that thing that you go to when you have an hour to spare? You've done your uh, your business, you because of course you work on the boat too. What do you do to unwind? You're already in a special place. What is that? What is that you do on sailboat? Do you like to be outside? Do you like to? I don't know. Yeah, I'm a well, boater myself. We are boaters too, so I I love to be on the boat. Just to be on the boat in, in you know in bed is already great for me. It, it, it does. It changes how your how your mind processes stuff. I I I have. Uh, there's probably not <clears throat> one thing I would spend an hour on um, because I have. I, I tell everybody. Not in a bad, uh, civil sort of a way, but I have all these different voices in my head. They're, they're different personalities. Todd Herman would call them alter egos. Um, mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so it depends on, on, on what voice or what alter ego needs, needs the most attention at any given time. Is it, is it uh, the, sometimes it's the voice that says, hey, you need to go to the gym and just, you know, the gym for me because there's no, I, I, I'll listen to music and put my headphones in. But there's 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 no other distractions other than the songs that are going in my head. And, and I'm very disconnected from the day to day demands and it allows my brain to unwind. And I, I come up with some some amazing ideas while I'm lifting weights. Sometimes uh, like down on the boat, I, I did this uh, was it last year. I don't even remember what year. I saw some guys that were kiteboarding and I said, man, I've always thought that would be fun. Let's go do it. And so I went and did. I started, you know, took some lessons on a on a Friday afternoon. So most of what I would do if I had an hour of downtime would be something physical, not necessarily strenuous, but physical, just because I spend most of my day um working on a computer and on the phone and talking to clients and doing copywriting and running training. And, and so it's always good to get off your butt and move. Well, there you go. So I always say, um, so it's not where you are, it's what you make out of it. Uh, yep. You know, you're still on a sailboat doing the same things. And as a funny story, uh, me, I will go to Sicily every summer because that's where my family's from. So my husband was, uh, we were with, together la- this July and we we're talking, you know, how maybe we should move there and try to find for a simpler life. Uh-huh. And we are all, you know, fantasizing, you know, maybe we can do some wine. And, and, and so we get to, to a place where we always like to buy like the typical like sun-dried tomatoes. Is that oh, this yeah. local store is a very famous store, but they have oregano, capers, all the goodies. And I know the owner and he invites us to to have a drink with him. And we are talking and he's like, you know what? I'm so tired of this stuff. I just want to sell everything <laughs> and go live in Miami. <laughs> and say, hold on. We are leaving Miami and we're talking how we're going to sell everything and come here to live. And you just say you want to sell everything and go to Miami. How well, funny is that? It, you know, it's that grass is always greener. And if you know your why. Um, see, see, I, I guess, you know, summarizing my theory, if you know your why you can find the pieces of everything that draw you. And it's funny, you mentioned you're from Sicily. So my grandfather Trimmels, my last name is actually shortened from Trimmel Giazzi. My grandfather was born on the boat on the way over from Sicily. And, and, uh, yeah, there's a whole nother story in there, but, but, um, I think with technology, um, 
we can do those things and can do what lights us up, uh, what really gives us juice in our life. And we can do it from a place that is conducive to allowing us to recharge and, and which actually, you know, in, in a kind of a, you know, in kind of a, um, a supercharging sort of way, if we can do it from a place that recharges us, it makes what we're doing even that much more full of energy and that much more impactful. The only, the only caution, and this is something that I, I, I actually fight all the time is to, you know, and it's a saying, so it's a saying Ilsa has told me once in a while, you can be in the most beautiful place in the world. And if you're not aligned, you won't even see the beauty and you're not taking the time to do it. So finding that balance of allowing yourself to be recharged by that place where you're at, um, and still doing what actually gives you juice, I think is, is the struggle. But what, what that uh, shopkeeper kind of might be expressing is he might be doing this for 30 or 40 years and he might be ready for a new challenge. Well, we can take technology like you had mentioned, and we can create those challenges no matter where we're at and and pursue them and enjoy them. Absolutely. I, I totally, uh, I'm aligned with you on that one. I, this podcast was born while I was in Sicily and I, that's my, I always say that's my back to basics. That's how the, the, the title came because I always say I need to go to my back to basics place. And this is the one place in the world. And I was born and raised in Venezuela. So obviously I always have mixed feelings, but you know, the Sicily is the place where I go and I feel connected to my heritage, to my family, to nature. I don't know, it's something there. And so I go every, every, every month, every year for a month. And even my customers at the beginning, everybody, you leave for a month? And I say, yeah, I have my computer. <laughs> and now everybody's used to it. Now they ask me, when do I leave? You know, <laughs> it, it's, and it, it's, it's so true and it's so important and, and it's different from everybody. I mean, Ilsa grew up in East Germany, obviously, as I mentioned, and for the last several years, we have a training company. She's been going back to Germany to see her sister and brother and spend time with her family for anywhere from four to six weeks. And our clients don't even really know she's gone. Nobody mm-hmm. knows. She can jump on a phone call and do this, but she can still you know, spend time with people that, is, that are important to her in, a, in an environment that actually gives her juice. And then she comes back and she's revitalized. It's it's a great it's a great way. I, I mean, I recommend it to everybody if they can take the time to figure out how to do it. So I agree. And so to close that, because I read uh, something that they wrote about you and you and, and you were defined as, you know, a guy that makes bold moves. And now I can see why. And I think that's, you know, the advice or what I'm taking from this is, you know, when you're courageous enough to make bold moves and maybe something that is not the usual, it's not the standard, but, you know, you, you go for it. Maybe you get away with with having the life you want just because you were courageous to make the bold move. Uh, even if you don't get away with it, look at the lessons that you learned and you know, not just about maybe doesn't what doesn't work if it didn't work, but so much about yourself. And and if you if you the more you learn about yourself, the more successful you're gonna be on the next thing you try because you're gonna know yourself better. So that's great. Well, Keith, I mean, I definitely say I need probably seven chapters. I need to interview Elsa. I need that. She sounds like a, a lot of wisdom, too. So this has been fantastic. I'm very happy I reach out and I'm very happy that uh, that uh, people like you are in the world because every person you talk to and you share your own journey, I'm sure you get to inspire a lot of people. 
Well, I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate the opportunity and would love to chat with you anytime. And we'll definitely uh, figure out how to get Ilsa on here. I think you guys, <laughs> you guys would have a blast. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Keith. And uh, keep enjoying the Rocky Mountains. I will do that, Letitia. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And until the next time. Bye.